All right. It'd be kind of upsetting. All right. Everybody got a study sheet? Don't worry. We're not doing any more balloon poppings. I'm still traumatized from that. You weren't here last week, man. We popped a balloon. Oh, I was there. How do you forget? I don't know. Remember everything that went into the balloon, the bitterness, the hatred, the anger, and I just didn't want to deal with it and forgive. That scared me so bad. And then you guys never forgot it, and I ruined my testimony. Really? I can't remember, to be honest. Well, that's upsetting. I didn't do a good enough job. All right, so the title of the series, again, Seeing Through God's Eyes. We've been looking at different topical, practical messages I'm really trying to understand how God sees these things. I feel like a lot of these things, especially tonight, um, we have somewhat of a jaded view. Uh, so if you can follow along uh, by way of introduction. <coughs> all right. So just wait on God. All right. That is a phrase that graces the lips of just about every Christian at some point. It can come at difficult times during circumstances with unknown outcomes, when direction is needed for a decision, etc. You know, and it's similar to people saying, you know, I'll keep you in my prayers. You even see that on the news by lost people. Yeah, I'll keep you in my thoughts and prayers. But is there really, do they know what they're saying? You know, if we're honest, most of the time that we either say that or receive it as advice, we brush it off as a vague general statement to fill empty space. It has very little meaning. Flip over to Matthew 15. Matthew 15. Matthew 15. Matthew 15. You hear Matthew 15. Matthew 15. I think I broke my voice. Sorry, buddy. We can just listen and let it all let God speak to us. Matthew 15. Verse 8. Right? And he's prophet. We'll jump to verse 7 rather than me saying it. You hypocrites, well did he say as prophesy of you saying... This people draweth nigh unto me with their mouth. Okay, so they talk a good talk. They say all these things. They say things that sound spiritual. And honoreth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. A lot of times that's what's true about statements like this. You know, we can say things that sound nice. I find myself even at work telling people, I have a lot of people that are struggling with marriages and sicknesses, cancer and all kinds of stuff. And, I'm, and I let them know, hey, I'll be praying for you. Do I take that another level and actually pray for them? Or when I give somebody advice of wait on God, or they give me advice of wait on God, do I fully understand what that means? Do they fully understand what that means? Being competent, being cognizant of what we're saying and understanding why we're saying it. These people, they say these things, there's no meaning. Their heart is far from God. They don't know why they're saying it. They know what to say. They don't know the meaning behind it. Their heart is far from God. We either don't believe, so back on your introduction. So when we say these things, and they fill the empty space, when they don't have meaning, we either don't believe the miraculous power that lies in truly waiting on the Lord, or we don't know how to wait on him. All right, raise your hand if somebody came up to you and said, specifically, if you take me to the Bible, how do I wait on God? How many of you would have a clear-cut plan on, all right, this is what you need to do? It's kind of difficult sometimes to work through that. Something that we say or hear said so often can be kind of complicating to try and formulate in our mind, can it, if we're being honest? Waiting on God, what does that look like? Well, tonight we're going to look at that in detail. Flip over to Isaiah chapter 40. And just to kind of lay some foundation for you, as I was studying this out, I saw a huge correlation. So, you know, how many of you guys saw in the group me that little thing of, what is it, Rafiki? Yes. Doing the meditation. 
When we think of waiting on God, a lot of times that's what people think of. You know, sitting there and, and, and just laying down and really being still. Which being still and, you know, knowing who God is, talking with God, praying with God, you know, that, that's good. But it's more than that. It's more than just sitting there and waiting to hear from God. And what I saw is waiting is always paired with doing. There's always a waiting and serving. I think of that song by John Waller. I've talked about it before. While I'm waiting, I will serve you. Okay, it's that, it's that marriage of those things. It's not waiting absent of doing. It's always paired with doing. So Isaiah 40, our anchor verse, verse 31. And it, I mean, it really, isn't this what we all want? Verse 31. But they that wait upon the Lord, biblically, wait upon the Lord, shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. And they shall walk and not faint. Spiritually, and don't raise your hand, just think about it. Spiritually, how many of you guys in here, you feel weary? You feel like you're ready to faint? You feel like you can't run another step? Well, I kind of feel a bit wheezy, but I'm feeling good. Yep. And even physically, we can't too. The Bible says if we wait on the Lord, we should be able to keep pressing on. We should fly. We should, we should be able to accomplish the mission that God has given us to do. If we biblically wait on the Lord. So how important do you think it is to understand what does that look like? Waiting on God, waiting on the Lord. So point number one, how to wait on the Lord. So I did a word study, just very basic, and I looked. Wait on the Lord. Wait on the Lord is found in the Bible three times. That phrase together. Now there's other variations of he waiteth on God. And that, but as far as a command with instructions that follow, it's found in the Bible three times. We're going to look at all three of them. So your first check mark. Be of good courage. Go to Psalm 27 and you'll see how this all connects. Psalm 27. Am I, am I supposed to write down the entire verse? No, I got it printed out on the sheet, man. Well, not the whole verse, but the reference. Okay. You flip over to the verse and we'll just read it. You can listen along. Then you'll see I got some lines under there and we'll work through that. I think I did, yeah, on your sheets. So I'm 27. Can I get a reader for verse 14? Go ahead, Connor. Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage, and he shall strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. So the first time it's mentioned in Psalm 27, verse 14, it says, wait on the Lord. How? Why? Colon. Be of good courage, and he shall strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. So you're lying. So we're going to work through this, okay? Sorry. Did you guys all get these phone numbers written down? Come on, Sam. You gotta be kidding me. Go ahead, write it down. I'll go through. So the phrase that I have that really God was spoken to me was don't doubt God. Trust his plan and power and give him time to work. Don't doubt him. Don't be afraid. Awesome. Good job. Don't read it yet. Oh crap. I can read it. You ready? 330-814-2764. Yes, good eyes. Or a bad eraser. (laughs) (laughs) Don't put the names. Let them figure it out. So he said, don't doubt God. All right, so be of good courage. Okay, so what this means, and when I I read this, when I'm like, so wait on God, it's paired with be of good courage. I think of circumstances where we really were afraid to wait on God. Where we don't trust God, we don't trust the process, we don't believe that it's all going to work out. Can you guys think of some examples in your life? 
Think of some examples where you know you need to wait on God, but you're just afraid to. Come on. Be personal. Jamie. Good. And uh, it's me going through my uh, slump. I don't want to say it. It's just... That's fine. We'll just put slumps. We get it. It was a... Uh, Fertility. You're afraid. You don't trust the process. Waiting for the right dating partner. Yeah, that's good. Uh, of course. No, I've been saved, so that's good. But man... Hold on, buddy. We're going to let everybody get in, Brianna. School. So academics? Brooke. Anxiety. Anxiety. That's a huge one. I didn't do good in spelling. Noah. I know for me, when I got diagnosed with diabetes, Okay, so we'll say, yeah, illness. And you'll see there's a lot of overlap with these, and I think it's on purpose. Yeah. Huh? Finances. Oh, I just went through future. Our Last one, Lydia. Oh. Friendships. Huh? Friendships. Friendships. We'll put future because I like that one too. Uh, I just I went through a fever, fever so yeah, it was terrible. I just went through a fever, so yeah. No I offense just... to school, we'll find another place. I just need a title. <laughs> so a lot of things. I mean. And, and there, uh, there's an endless list. It can be very difficult to wait on God on these things. We can be afraid. We don't have courage. And a lot of times we don't trust that these things are going to work out. I know for illnesses, it can be very difficult to trust. And I'm sure if you ask Jamie in the thick of it, there were probably moments where you're like, yeah, I'm not real confident in this. I'm, I'm fearful that it's not going to work out. Mm-hmm. You start making decisions out of your flesh's desire. And that they're, a lot of times they're not even bad decisions. But being of good courage, I just thought it was interesting how he connects that. The first mention where he says, wait on, wait on the Lord. Be of good courage. Trust what he's doing. Trust his plan and his power. And give him time to work. That is key. Give time God to work. Give God time to work in these things. Especially dating. When you're tempted with a spouse, when you're tempted with dating, trust God to let that thing work out. Do not rush that process. Anxiety. Trust that God's going to come. Trust that God has the answers for you in this book, which will lead us into the next point. All right, flip over to Joshua 1, though. I want to look at some of these. We're not going to look at all of them. I want you guys, I trust, at least I hope that when you guys, you know, if we don't get to some verses, that you guys are looking at these on your own time. Time just doesn't allow it. Maybe once you're done, can you help me out write this stuff down? Because... I'll, absolutely, buddy. I'll stay after class. I'll help you. Thanks. You're, you're welcome. Yeah. It's all good, man. We'll take our time. Yeah. Thanks, man. You're welcome. Joshua 1, good, verses 6 and 7. So Joshua, he's taking over for Moses. Think about how hard this would be, okay? They're close to getting to the promised land, and their man, their boss, he's gone. Joshua steps in. What are some of the first things God says to him? Be strong and of a good courage. For unto this people shalt thou divide for an inheritance the land which I swear unto their fathers to give them. Only be thou strong and very courageous that thou mayest observe to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded thee. Turn not from it to the right hand nor or to the left 
that thou mayest prosper whithersoever thou goest. Be strong and courageous. And then I love right, right in the middle of that to do according to all the law. Trust that God's going to make your path clear. Trust that God is going to get you through these things. We limit God so much because a lot of times we don't trust his power. We want things to be over now. We want things to be fixed now. And a lot of times because we don't think that God's going to fix it. Yeah, we want things done now. We're impatient. But a lot of times if we're honest, we just don't trust that God is going to fix it. We're nervous or afraid of what his will might be. It might not include what we want. Ask anybody that has biblically waited on the Lord and brought them through something, how glad they are that they waited on God for that. You know, how glad are you that you waited and now you got a little boy, Logan? I mean, what an awesome blessing going through something like that. And sometimes circumstances, they just, they end up different. A lot of times it, it might not have been 40 years down the line until you see. It might not even be until we stand up with God in eternity and we look back and see all the dots that are connected. Do you trust God's power? Do you trust God's plan for your life? Be courageous. Be of good courage. You can have hope. He's our living hope. We can have hope in that process. We can have hope in God. And flip over to Psalm 112. Psalm 112. 112. Oh. Psalm 112. Psalm 112. I really love this. This verse resonated with me this week. Psalm 112, verse 7. <clears throat> he shall not be afraid of evil tidings. His heart is fixed, trusting in the Lord. Boy, that verse is so, so true. You know, we got news Sunday night that Brandy's grandma was going into the emergency room. That she had a brain aneurysm that ruptured. Which usually at 70-some years old isn't good news. So my first thought is, you know, how can we make this right? She's lost. You know, and Brandy's starting to break down because she's, you immediately start going back to all the times, all the missed opportunities. So... Let me use that as a news flash. If you have lost family members, take advantage of the time. You have no idea when you're going to get a call like that. So she's going through, stressing out. And finally, we just I said, honey, we just need to stop and pray. We got down on our knees. We prayed. And not that the circumstance changed. You know, the circumstance, it is what it is. But it's almost like God just, he, he changes the circumstance of your heart. It's kind of hard to describe. He brings such a peace on you that whatever's going to happen... As long as we're trusting in him, as long as we're waiting on him to give us direction on what to say, how to witness to our family, different things like that, that everything's going to be okay. And I'm not, I mean, fortunately, she had surgery this morning and things are looking good, but she could have passed away Monday. We still have to trust that process. We still have to trust that God knows what he's doing, even in those times. Even when you get evil tidings, you can't be afraid of those things. And you will not be afraid of those things when your heart is fixed, trusting in the Lord. Wait on God in those times and be of good courage. We're not going to flip there, but um, you guys can study it out. It was kind of interesting. It says, uh, so courage in all its forms is found 26 times in the Bible. It's found once in the New Testament. And it's Acts 28, 15. It talks about Paul taking courage. He took courage with him. Encourage you guys just to look that out, search it out, and, and see. But it's just interesting. Courage, 
is mentioned over and over and over in the Old Testament. But in the New Testament, when the Bible is becoming complete, it's only mentioned once. What's changed? What's different? I want you guys to think about that. So be of good courage. Flip over to Psalm 37. We are going to have to hustle. Psalm 37. So the next one, keep his way. (coughs) Keep his way. Psalm 37. Verse 34. It says, wait on the Lord. There it is again. And keep his way. And he shall exalt thee to inherit the land. When the wicked are cut off, thou shalt see it. So keep his way. Believe God's promises found in the Bible. Trust the process. No matter what's going on. And for me, I immediately go to difficult circumstances or sin issues. Trusting the way. And how do we trust the way? How do we, how do we keep his way? How do we know the way? We're going like kindergarten level here. Read the Bible. Memorize scripture. How often... Do you guys memorize scripture according to circumstances that are going on in your lives? You know, we say we're waiting on God, but we're missing a key part. We're waiting on God physically, but are we understanding how to wait on God in that circumstance? So what are some examples? I'll give you one for me. So sleep. I love sleep. Sleep is fun. Proverbs 2013. Love not sleep. Poverty is going to come unto you quick. Every time I hit, I'm hitting that snooze, I'm like, Bob, you're going to make your family poor. I'm like, you sluggard. Get your butt out of bed. I have to remember those things. God brings those to, to my memory because I can get pretty tired. I can get pretty comfy under those sheets. What are some things? I want to ask you guys. What are some things that you guys have memorized scripture for? I got some written down, but I really want you guys. Lust of the flesh. Okay. Do you have a scripture with it? Um, it was, I forget. I know the book is in Galatians, but I forget the exact reference. Okay. Sam. Your eyes. Your eyes? Psalm 103. You know it? Uh, I will say, know what the thing before my eyes. I hate the work of them and turn aside. It's not late me. So what your eyes are looking at. What you're focused on. Yeah. Peace. Peace. You cheater, that's on your study sheet. Is it really? <laughs> yeah. 4637, I think, is, but. Nope. No, I just meant on your study sheet, 637. Oh. But let's get anybody else. I'll throw another one up here. Oh. What? Oh, you saw it on there? Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. Go ahead. Um, sorry, for me, it's temptation in general. It's not specifically, but First Corinthians ten thirteen, just that there's always a way to escape it. You're never yeah. To sin. That's good. There's always a way out. Two. Okay. Not, this is not a recommendation, but I have it tattooed on my foot for a reason, um, <laughs> which is our last year's camper. So get tattoos. No. Advocation. <laughs> but 
to remind myself yeah. to not be selfish and focused on myself, but to love others as Christ loved me. That's good. Um, what which reference was angry? Was it James? Ephesians. Ephesians. We were just there last week. Come on, Bobby. Who else, Timmy? Just like doubt, and then I think it's Ephesians 4 or something. It's God, all things are possible. Something like that. Alright, you'll have to fill that in after class, Timmy. It's Philippians 4.13. There we go. The Satan. You guys know what's going on. Go ahead, Sam. Sacrifice. Sacrifice. All right. Old Testament. All right, and then even, huh? And then even not sin. You know, like sacrifice is good. I think of so really heavy on on me this week was witnessing to the lost, lost, the death of the lost. And I think of Luke 16. I think of the rich man and the beggar. And the rich man goes down into hell and the beggar goes down into, into Abraham's bosom. And just the, uh, the awareness that the rich man still has, the desire that he still has for his family members to get saved, and the motivation and the, the fire that that puts in my heart and trying to encourage Brandy with her family. Like this is the place that they're going and this is what they would want to tell you if they were there. This is what they would want to tell their whole family. Just the reality of it changes you, changes your perspective. But being familiar with the, I mean, memorizing is great. Being aware of those things, keeping the way, understanding what the Bible says about whatever circumstance you're in and studying that out. Seeing how people in the Old Testament handled situations like that. There's plenty of examples. And then I even had drinking and fornication, but we're just, we're going to move on just for time's sake. But I challenge you guys, whatever is going on in your life that you need to be waiting on God, search those things out in the scriptures. Find verses that you can commit to memory to make keeping those things, to make waiting on God in those circumstances a reality. Um, let's, uh, let's flip over to Psalm 1. I wanted to hit more, but Psalm chapter 1. So believe God's promises found in the Bible. Memorize them. Study them out. And again, the con- look, at, look at this verse, look at these verses through the eyes of waiting on the Lord. Verse 1, Psalm 1. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, this book. And in his law doth he, um, that's what I thought of Rafiki, meditate day and night, think on these things, waits on God in these things. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. Meditating on these things. Don't you want to be like a tree planted by water, always getting fed, always growing? Nothing can stop you. Bad tidings come. Your, your trust, your hope is in this book. They don't weigh you down. They don't derail you. Satan has a lot, a lot less of a chance of getting a foothold in your life when you're a tree planted by the water. And a lot of it, it, it begins with your delight being in this book. 
meditating on this book, pondering this book day and night. So keeping his way. And I recommend, we're not going to turn there, but I recommend you guys studying out Romans 5, 1 through 5, powerful verses about a process of going through tribulation, displaying patience through that time, and watching what God will do and bringing you through that and giving you an experience that you can look back on. Powerful, powerful stuff. All right, and then flip over to Proverbs chapter 20. So we have be of good courage. Where'd my blue marker And the last one. Which we probably won't do examples for this one. Proverbs, I'm in that. You know? I start, you know. Huh? You know, after I was done my book, I started to figure out maybe if I, I started thinking of thinking more positive, you know. Mm-hmm. Thinking more positive instead of negative. You know, thinking more positive, just leaving all the negatives, that, like, um, the, the push, pushing all the negatives away. Just... I would, cha- I would challenge you, though, make sure the positives you're thinking are paired with the Bible. Because this world, it'll give you, it'll give you po- like feel-good positives that aren't paired with the Bible, and every single time they will fail you. It may take weeks, it may take months, but if it's not paired with the Bible, it will let you down. So, We're in Proverbs chapter 20, uh, verse 22. It says, Say not thou, I will recompense or repay evil, but wait on the Lord, and he shall save thee. So let God do the fighting and have victory in your life. And there's a double meaning there, daily. Daily giving things over to him. Daily letting him have victory. And then eternally. He's already won that fight on the cross. Accept that free gift. Daily, let him fight those battles for you. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. So when you're in circumstances, and for time's sake we won't go through examples, but when you're in circumstances that you just can't fight, They're out of your control. And I'm a control freak. I like trying to control as many things as I can. It drives me nuts because all I do is add undue stress to myself. Control what you can control. The things that are out of your control, give over to God. Let him handle those things. The things that you think, well, they deserve that. I need to make them pay. I need to give them theirs. Let God deal with them. Flip over to Deuteronomy 32. It's a very sobering verse. Deuteronomy 32. A lot going on in this verse, but we're just going to look at it at a high level. (coughs) Deuteronomy 32. Verse 35. It says, to me belongeth vengeance and recompense, repayment. Okay, remember in Proverbs it said, recompense no man. Don't pay that back. Recom- don't, do not recompense evil. It belongs to God. Their foot shall slide in due time, for the day of their calamity is at hand, and the things that shall come, up, come upon them make haste. Devotionally, there's two applications that I take from this. The things that we see that are all screwed up with this world, the evil that we think is just going on that's getting by, There is a time that's coming that that judgment is going to be made. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. There is a time that's coming that all that wrong is going to be wiped out. But also there's a time that's coming 
that all that wrong is going to be wiped out and people are going to be sent straight to hell. That ought to change our perspective. When we're in situations that we just, we despise somebody, we want this situation to end. We don't care what cost it takes. There's situations I'm in at work or there might be situations that you're in at school that you just want to be removed from people. There's people that you can't stand being around. And you're like, I want, to ha- I want it to happen now. I want to get out of this situation. I hate this lunch table. I hate these people that I'm sitting with, this group that I'm in for this project. I just want, to, I want it to end. I just want to put my head down and run right through it and get out of it. Wait on God in those circumstances. Understand that there's a time that's coming. They're walking right on the edge of eternity. There's a time that's coming that they're going to slide. They're going to go right down to eternity. Give that situation over to God. If you're struggling with, again, we talked about it last week, bitterness and giving that over through forgiveness. But understanding that's still a soul that God loves. I'll tell you, when you wait on God in those circumstances, when you give those things over to God, you pray about those things, he'll change your perspective. He changes your heart. And he will completely change your circumstance. He might not change the details, but he will absolutely change your perspective of that circumstance. Which really, I mean, if you ask anybody, it's, it's never the circumstance that bothers people. It's the lack of peace of mind. It's the stress. It's the anxiety. It's all these things that we bring upon ourselves rather than just getting rid of them, getting a clear mind, realizing at the end of the day we're saved and they need Jesus too. Not a lot matters after that. We get so bogged down. We get so worried about the day-to-day, and we, and we have a hard time waiting on God because we're so focused on ourselves. We're not looking at the world around us. We're not looking at the people. We're not seeing through God's eyes. We're seeing through our own eyes. Let God have the victory in those situations. He's going to repay that. He's going to recompense. But also pray that he gets the spiritual victory in that circumstance too. There's two things going on there. So we're not going to flip to these ones. Again, great verses that I challenge you guys to read tonight. Um, But we're going to come to a close here. Point number two, the importance of waiting on the Lord. Um, I want you guys to flip over to 1 Samuel 13. We're going to hit Abraham and Isaac at a high level. So all this put together. So how to wait on the Lord, being of good courage, being courageous, trusting that God can actually do it, keeping his way. Whatever circumstance you're in, I can guarantee you there's a Bible verse, a passage, an example in the Old Testament that deals with that. And then let him have the victory. When you're in circumstances that are out of your control and you just need to wait and trust God, let God handle those things. One of those verses talks about, you know, be careful for nothing in Philippians 4. But in all things, give those over to God. All right, and then the importance of this. Why does this matter? The importance of waiting on the Lord. So your first check mark, the benefits of waiting. And the benefits are you will see God work in ways that you never thought were possible. And I think of Abraham and Isaac. You know, none of us will ever, I guess I should never say never, very rarely would we ever be put in a situation where we're asked by God, I'll say never, to take our son up on a mountain and sacrifice him. And you might think, you know, but how was Abraham really waiting on God? He was waiting and he was doing. God asked him to do something. Did Abraham know how it was going to end? He didn't, but he did. And this is where, like, all this comes together. He knew God, so keeping his way. He had faith in God, because remember, what, what was Abraham already preparing? He was preparing to kill his son, but then what, what also was he getting ready for? 
He knew that God was going to what? Provide a lamb or resurrect him from the dead. He knew in his heart that God was going to come through at the end. That's some insane faith. That's sometimes faith that we're afraid to have. That's faith that I'm afraid to have sometimes. Because sometimes I feel like, yeah, but God couldn't do that. And then you read the Old Testament. Are those true? That same God lives inside of you guys today. Abraham had crazy amount of courage to do something like you couldn't. You could not take your son up there with any doubt that God was not going to come through. But he waited on the Lord. Waited on the Lord. He trusted the process. And he knew that that was something that he just had to give over to God. He was like, God, I'm just going to do what you called me to do. And in the end, I'm just going to trust it works out. And Abraham, I mean, he's the father of the nation of Israel, God's chosen people. If you go back to the circumstance and Abraham was like, God, listen, I, I love my son. I think you messed up because you told me that Isaac, that the seed, he's going to start this seed. I don't think you're thinking straight. God, I'm going to pass on this. I don't even know if we'd have been reading about Abraham in the Bible. That could have changed the entire course of the, of the history of the nation of Israel. But what a blessing that came from Abraham's lineage because he obeyed God and he waited on God through the process. All right, so the benefits of waiting. And there's example after example, but I didn't want to belabor the point. But understand that that same testimony, that same example can be true in your life. It can be true. 1 Samuel 13. So the consequences of rushing. So you will miss the blessing slash victory that God is preparing for you. And I immediately think of Saul. Remember the first time I read through this. We're going to, let's just start in verse 1. We'll read through it. We got time. So Saul, was Saul a good king or a bad king? He was bad. Verse 1, Saul reigned one year, and when he had reigned two years over Israel, Saul chose him 3,000 men of Israel, whereof 2,000 were with Saul in Michmash and in Mount Bethel, and 1,000 were with Jonathan and Gibeah of Benjamin, and the rest of the people he sent every man to his tent. And Jonathan smote the garrison of the Philistines that was in Geba, and the Philistines heard of it, and Saul blew the trumpet throughout all the land, saying, Let the Hebrews hear. And all Israel heard heard say that Saul had smitten a garrison of the Philistines and that Israel was also and that Israel also was had an abomination with the Philistines and the people were called together after Saul to Gilgal and the Philistines gathered themselves together to fight with Israel 30,000 chariots and 6,000 horsemen and people as the sand which is on the seashore in multitude and they came up and pitched in Michmash eastward from Beth Haven when the men of Israel saw this, they were in strait, for the people were distressed. When, then the people did hide themselves in caves, and in thickets, and in rocks, and in high places, and in pits. And some of the Hebrews went over Jordan to the land of Gad and, Gil, and Gilead. As for Saul, he was yet in Gilgal, and all the people followed him trembling. And here we go. And he tarried seven days according to the set time... That Samuel, and again, we're not going to go back and look at this, but according to the set time that Samuel had appointed, okay, but Samuel said, you wait until I come back. But Samuel came not to Gilgal, and the people were scattered from him. And Saul, you think he waits on the Lord? Do you think he waits on the command that Samuel gave him? No. Bring hither a burnt offering to me and peace offerings. And he offered the burnt offering. And it came to pass that as soon as he had made an end of offering, the burnt offering, 
Behold, Samuel came. As soon as he was done, and Saul went out to meet him that he might salute him. Oh, Samuel's here. Verse 11, and Samuel said, what hast thou done? And Saul said, because I saw that the people were scattered from me, and that thou camest not within the days appointed, and that the Philistines gathered themselves together at Michmash, therefore said I, the Philistines will come down, come down now upon me to Gilgal, and I have not made supplication with the Lord. I have forced myself, therefore, and offered a burnt offering. He's like, Samuel, I looked around, and the people were coming up, and I had to do something. I had to do something. I had to take matters in my own hands to protect these people. <coughs> Verse 13. And Samuel said unto Saul, Thou hast done foolishly. Thou hast not kept the commandment of the Lord thy God, which he commanded thee. For now would the Lord have established thy kingdom upon Israel forever. <coughs> if you would have just waited, all the blessing you would have had. Verse 14. But now thy kingdom shall not continue. The Lord hath sought him a man after his own heart. And the Lord hath commanded him to be captain over his people, because thou hast not kept that which the Lord commanded thee. Like, how, how, how quickly did Samuel come after he, he offered up that sacrifice? Samuel's like, you wait until I come. Too often we look around at the circumstances when God's saying, you wait until I open that door. And we look around at the circumstances and we run through that door seconds before God was getting ready to open it. How often do we do that? Praise God that he doesn't take us back and drag our face through the mud at every time that we've done that, because I bet you it's countless. God was, according to this, going to establish a kingdom with Saul. And he made one impatient decision, and it cost him. And then the news, can you imagine being Saul? Because you didn't wait for me, Saul, your kingdom, it's done. God's going to find a new king. He can't use you. You're not going to wait on him in this simple task. Think how simple that was. But our eyes, our mind starts wondering. We start getting these vain imaginations. We need to take matters in our own hands. What circumstances all here do we feel like we need to take matters in our own hands because God's just not working fast enough? Be very, very careful, especially with this one. Because you can make decisions and wind up in a relationship when God had your spouse waiting for you. A week later, a month later, a year later. There's a lot of marriages in this church that have awesome testimonies about waiting on the Lord. You've got to be very, very careful with running into decisions. But like I said at the start of this message, your last check mark here. Waiting is not, not, not the absence of doing. It is always paired with servanthood. It is always paired with doing. It is not sitting in a corner with your fingers like this, waiting on the Lord. It is always paired with doing. I think of Joseph when he was taken captive as a slave. He didn't just sit in a corner waiting for God to deliver him. He honored him with his actions. And God blessed him for that. I think of Ruth. She was out gleaning. She lost her husband. She still did what the Lord called her to do. And because of that, she was in the right place at the right time for Boaz to see her. Because of that, she's in the lineage of Jesus Christ. Daniel, getting taken captive by, by Babylon. Could have just been, you know what? I'm just going to try and hide, stay out of the limelight, and wait for God to deliver me. No, he made a ripple effect through that nation. And God showed him some amazing things. The disciples, I thought back to what Tom was talking about. When Jesus was taken up into the clouds, and they're just standing there. Well, I guess we'll wait for Jesus. The angels are like, aren't you guys going to go do something? 
And then that goes right to the last one, Christ's return. You know, we all are waiting on the Lord in that context. And then we have circumstances, circumstances going on in our daily lives that we're waiting on God for answers for, waiting on God to deliver us from certain things. But that cannot be a deterrent from you doing something. We still are called to serve. We're still, we still are called to do and serve while we're waiting. So I want to challenge you guys. Think about different things that you guys are involved in, areas that you are waiting on the Lord in. Has it crippled you so much that you guys have just chucked doing anything for the Lord? Are you afraid of what the outcome of that circumstance might be? Are you memorizing scripture? Are you reading scripture that goes along with that circumstance? Trying to understand what God really wants from you out of it. In our, these circumstances are the times that you can't control them. Are you giving those over to God? Even the ones you can't control, are you allowing God to make those decisions? So in closing, what is hindering you from waiting on God? Is your life full of idle time? Are you too busy? You don't believe the power of God. You're a control freak. That's a big one for me. Or you just worry too much. Or you're selfish. You're not looking at situations through God's eyes. You're looking at them through your eyes. So again, a lot of little things going on here, but my prayer is that you guys would go back look at these verses and make these things real in your life because waiting on god is much more than just sitting and actually in in waiting and thinking about those things all right it's making this real in your life being of good courage keeping his way and letting him have the victory in those circumstances trusting the process that god is going to work out in your life and the outcome and wanting the outcome that he wants in your life no matter the cost all right let's pray dear god i know the uh the hour is late and i think uh Thank the students for being attentive, God. And I just pray that, uh, that these things, that they would drive down into their hearts. These things are important. It's very difficult, especially in a now society where we get things now, microwave, the internet, everything that we can get instantaneous, God. It's very hard for us to wait on you. And God, it's even more difficult to wait on you, but to continue doing the things you called us to do. God, if there's anything that anybody in here is dealing with, and you know my personal heart and the things I'm dealing with, um, Lord, if there's anything in here that they're not dealing with biblically, Lord, I pray that they'd be honest with you tonight. That if they just don't trust your power, or if they're not reading their Bible according to that circumstance, they're not searching it out, or they're just trying to control the situation too much, Lord, I pray that you would step in and convict them of that. Just something specific, Lord, that they can take away with and never be the same again. God, you're worth it. You're worth everything, Lord. And we have a debt that we can never repay, but I pray that we would strive to, not for salvation's sake, but for love because of everything that you've done for us, God. So we thank you. We love you and pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.